Welcome to the Happy Ramp Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio uh, by Ronald J. Martin, Otis Piper. Uh, boys, we have some business to take care of, as usual. Pipe, I'll let you get to that in the moment. Uh, and then we have three things on tap today, um, none of which I really care about, to be honest. But, uh, <laughs> but, 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 but maybe that's the magic ingredient for a great podcast is not giving a crap. Dude, that, know what, I, though, think, oh, guys, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, go ahead, Ted. There's only like four things in the world I actually do care about, though. So what, most of what we talk about it, and it ends up being interesting somehow, man. Big <laughs> T, that's fascinating. I, I'd like to hear about those four things before we continue, because I'm telling you right now, boys, it's going to yeah. be hard to top uh, that last podcast. That was that was definitely one of our greatest hits before we. Boys, first of all, hits. it feels like we just did that thing, man. It feels like, like you said, big R off the air. It feels like that was about 20 minutes ago. So I don't know that we can recapture that energy. I want us to take that that pressure off ourselves right now. Um, yeah, I mean, it, ne- it never works to try to relive an experience. It's it always falls short. So like every everyone has to be a new a new experience. Absolutely. So guys, let's not try to make this app like the last app. It was magical. It was a, it was a particular time <laughs> and place in our lives where. The planets aligned and we just did some great radio. And by that, I mean three guys talking into their computers in different towns. We, we did have somebody comment online that they think it's awesome that you, <laughs> that you constantly talk about this like it's a, uh, an in-studio radio show. <laughs> Pipe, listen, you got to sell the dream. Oh, know, that's I, what media is all about. I, I was in full agreement with them. I think it is great. I think it is too, man. I think it's great that we're doing this. I think that, that it's great that we're doing it a full 20 minutes after we just wrapped our last app. <laughs> And um, and I think it's great that that despite the fact that I don't care about any of this stuff, man, it always works out somehow. So that's a that hats off to you guys on that. And what would it look like if it didn't work out? I think that's the big question that I want to know. Like if this Ted doesn't work stop, out, Ted would what's just stop happening? talking. I think, dude, I, back back in the Trogues era, man, I would like. I would I would stop talking for like a half hour at a time and start opening my mail or like eating a snack, you know, and and and. I'm not saying that's that's this not working out. It was just a, it was working out in a different sort of way, you know. Yeah. Um, well, that's because a potential like jailbird was like hosting the podcast. I mean, what what else could you expect from something like that? You know, Shrogs was in a downward spiral. He was uh, yeah dealing with some of his own things, and um, and and that's okay, okay. man. That's fine. I, I was reading my mail. He was dealing with things. What and, what do uh, you get in the mail? Like I I don't ever get anything in the mail that's worth reading. Dude, that's the yeah. thing. It was literally just like junk mail. Cops, you know, like, you oh, just Blue Cross Blue Shield sent me a statement. I'll take a closer <laughs> look. Dude, right. I mean, it, it was like, you know, one out of every 10 things you end up actually opening and looking at and the other nine go into the trash. Did but. you know that you're pre-qualified for up to $15,000 in credit? Dude, exactly. Pipe, it's, where, it's, it's where Big T does like – he like completes his syllabus for 2017, you know, during these during these podcasts. You know, Dude, I've done it, man. I've, I I've, would – I would love to see what a Ted Cluck syllabus looks like <laughs> because because what we get on this show does not strike me as the professorial side of Ted. So yeah, I'm really you know, fascinated what the uh, what that side looks like. Piper, I actually do, sat- all, kid, all kidding aside, I need to Skype you guys into a class someday and we, we can tangentially make it about media or or, you know, podcasting or news or whatever. We'll We'll come up with some like half-baked reason to to have you guys into, into my Shoot, class I'm two hours away i'll just drive over ronnie would have a bit of a road trip but i can i can be Dude, there, yeah, seriously, I can be there in less than three hours absolutely man we should do that we should for sure do that in the fall uh big r you're invited i know you won't make it down but maybe we can yeah, uh, but big t remember i mean tell piper about the time that i i sat in on one of your classes when you were at cornerstone in uh, maybe, grand rapids that's right man i forgot yeah. so i was I mean, there 
So, Piper, I got to see it. I got to see Ted in action with the kids. I don't know if he taught them anything or if they talked about creative writing. I think he was just, like, making jokes for, like, 45 minutes, and the kids <laughs> loved him. I mean, it literally had nothing to do with anything, but the kids loved him. And I think it's not all that different than this program. I was going to say it's it's a commentary for what we're doing right now. It doesn't matter what we say, how we say it, what we're talking about. It just matters that people like us. Boys, I'm a one trick pony. I'm a self-contained, you know. (laughs) So, Ted, are you are you a lots of little projects or like one big master project professor? Like, do you do you put all of the eggs in one basket or is it is it lots of little stuff that dude? It totally depends on on the class. Here's how it tends to go for like the the hundred level kind of basic journalism classes. It ends up being lots of little projects. So, a story here, a story there. But for the the higher level ones. Um, like a creative nonfiction class or magazine and feature writing, it tends to be you know just one or two sort of big projects. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I, yeah, I uh, I always hated the bigger projects classes because because I really like uh, I'm I'm a procrastinator and those things always put me in the butt. <laughs> to be sure, <laughs> dude. To be honest, though, <laughs> to those be are completely the- honest. Those classes are the funnest, though, because it's the it's the kind of writing that's the most personal to people. So I, I yes. think if you that's true, I uh, never took any classes like what you teach. Mine were always like theology classes and stuff, and those projects are like here's a 32 page paper with lots of footnotes. Which uh, I think is, those yeah. projects are called the worst. Yeah. That's what we call the worst. Yeah, those projects are called find a different calling. That's well, as you know, what would be fun for a, a remote app would be for you guys to come down here and just like audit one of my classes, and we could we could you know just let the wow. cameras roll. Um, in in class, man, people could learn a little uh, a little journalism, creative nonfiction while they listen to the program. So you know what, man, a twenty hour round trip for the rant just sounds perfect. For me. It really does, man. Yeah, <laughs> especially because you know it pays so August. well. What's that? I said especially because it pays so well. Oh yeah, that's what sure. I mean. Very lucrative. Yeah. Speaking of boys, yeah. I don't want to let this slide, and I don't want the listeners to forget about it. Live in Louisville, still yes. a thing. Still in high-level media negotiations with <laughs> venues. And to be clear, this isn't a joke. Like, we joke about it, no, but it, it's, it's actually true. going to happen, and there really are conversations trying to pin down all of the necessary details so we can create a good experience. Absolutely. October 23rd-ish in Louisville. Um, <laughs> several hipster coffee shops in the, in the running to be our venue. But since they're hipsters, they refuse to try super hard to get right. us there. They, they're, they're acting very nonchalant because yeah. that's what you do when you're a hipster. Right? Yeah. yeah you, you that's part of the magic of it, right? They can't, commit, they can't commit to anything. Yeah. No, something better might come along, man. Right? Yeah, so they got to keep their options yeah. open. Yeah, something more obscure than an, a free podcast could come along. <laughs> exactly. That they could host. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully, Lord willing, uh, October 23rd in Louisville, mark your calendars. Um, it will be the radio event of the century. Um, there will be swag, allegedly, from Missional Wear, although we don't know. Although we've, um, we've seen some photo evidence that it is in the works. And dude, it, yeah, we got a very cryptic nifty. email from, uh, from Missional uh, with some, some swag mock-ups that we were very excited about as a, as a company. And uh, we will keep you, uh, keep you abreast of that. But Pipe... Tell us about the actual business that we have in hand this week. So this uh, this podcast project continues to to take off like a rocket ship. Um, if if it were stock, I would uh, yeah. I would buy kind of kind of like one of those rocket ships you buy at a toy store and build in your basement and then shoot. You know, dude, those are the best, the aren't they? I was just talking to somebody about those, man. You, you yeah, you got them at like the drugstore, and yeah, you just put them together and like shoot them off in the back. You you remember these, Big R? Do you ever have one of these? Ronnie. Um, 
Baby, this seems to fit nicely with the. I don't know. It's not. I'm not like I'm. I like. I don't like. I don't like like fireworks and fire and stuff like that. No, I'm no, not it's like not a, a firework dude. thing, man. It's more of like a 1980s like science project sort of thing. Which yeah, would it, 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 yeah, goes not, not like, it goes along with like model, like building models. Except this was a model that you could shoot into the air, kind of. If they had a scene yeah, not, of that not, on Stranger Things, you would know what we were talking about, and you would think it was sweet. But yeah, I, I, I just I'm not a, I'm not a model guy. I'm just not like a model guy either. That's kind of my problem. I mean, I'm you're a, not, you are a model guy, but, <laughs> but that's something slightly different. Pipe, he's not getting it, but it's okay. You know what, Big R, we're uh, we, we love you anyway, baby. Uh, Pipe, take care of some business right, for us, business. and then let's get into these uh, pressing guys. I'm topics. trying to sermon. I'm trying to sermon prep right now. That's why I'm. <laughs> that's a little true. Worried. When Ted asked you the question, the reason you were silent is because you weren't listening. That's let's be honest, dude. Seriously, what were you doing? Full disclosure. What? What were you doing in the background <laughs> when I asked that question, dude? I I can't like. I'm trying to find a better connection because you guys are breaking up on me. So that's what, actually uh, what I was doing. I was trying to actually prepare some more youthberry tea. If I can just be honest right now, yeah, with you guys, can I? I mean, can I? I don't hear any clinking uh, glass or anything, so I'm. Baby, what's your uh, what's your age currently? What what year are you down to? Are you are you down to like you know 26 right now? How are you? Feeling? No, I'm uh, I'm I'm at 17, which means you guys just got an email with a consent form to let me like be on the podcast for the next like four episodes. So I He's hope that's only okay. Seventeen. <laughs> Winger, remember Winger. Um, unfortunately I don't because I wasn't allowed to listen to bands like winger, but big T I'll live that through you right now that I'm old and wiser and I'll be good with that. Honestly, I'm good with that. You know, you're younger, old and wiser. That That's what right. I love. About it. Cherry, cherry pie. Which oh, is- that's warrant baby. That's oh goodness. Warrant. You're in the, you're in the wheelhouse though. Definitely. Nice. Winger warrant. Is there really a, a distinction if we No, they had all the same members. It's like DC talk in the Newsboys. you know, <laughs> just depending on what city they were in. Gosh, 1987 was a horrible year for everyone involved in life and the music industry. Uh, the music a- industry maybe, but the Twins won the World Series that year, so that was Wow, that just, he just popped off with that. He just literally popped off with that. That's amazing. Twins won the World Series, WrestleMania 3 at the, the Pontiac Silverdome. So NFL may- strike. So maybe those made up a little bit for the the down music year. Absolutely. I yeah, I just yeah, sure. Maybe what uh, big R, I'm going to I'm going to push you on that a little bit. What were you listening to in 1987? Can so, you So yeah, so in 87 for me it would have been New Order, Depeche Mode and like the Pet Shop Boys. You yeah, know? you were that guy, man. I was Absolutely. that guy. Yep. I was I was Euro, I was European guy from California. European, yeah, lots of black clothing, lots rock. of black clothing, like yes. shaded head on one side, hair yep. flopped over on the other side. Basically what kids look like literally today. Exactly. Yeah. So your look has changed not a bit. Uh, not not one, except I put a lot more stuff in my hair, and uh, I'm on a podcast now. <laughs> Other than that, life is you, identical. You wear more colors now, I believe, don't you? Than than just black. You, you know, know what, pipe shade, I, shades of grays and and blues and things. Maybe some earth tones. Yeah, I mean, I, I do. I, I mean, I you know, I, my skinny jeans are typically dark blue, and I wear like you know black or like dark shirts so yeah i i mix it up my shoes get colorful too i, I wear like wacky adidas and you know chucks and stuff so yeah. so by colorful we mean dark blue and black so ba- baby be careful riding that bmx bike at night at dusk <laughs> right. in ashland well I, that's what i'm that's what i'm trying to say i mean compared to 1987 dude i'm like just a i mean i'm, I'm like a I'm like a veritable a, rainbow i'm like a circus animal right now you know <laughs> pipe all oh, right, business. Yes. Uh, we have a sponsor who is Nav Press slash Tyndale House Publishers. 
they are they're kind of one and the same. Uh, the book is Next Door As It Is In Heaven by Lance Ford and Brad Briscoe. And it's a look at kind of looks back at how neighbors and neighborhoods used to be when people knew each other, you know, in 1987, where everybody knows your name and all that kind of a, it sort of has a cheers feel to it uh, in terms of like even just the way the descriptive copy was written, because it literally says where everybody knows your name, which, Dude, uh, which made me the laugh. best, man. It's what I watch when I can't sleep. Cheers was pre me like it was. Okay. Yeah. I, I kind of came of age during the Seinfeld Friends era. so That makes sense, man. That makes sense. But I suspect that if I had been a little bit older when Cheers was on, I would have really liked it. But anyway, so Lance Ford, Brad Briscoe, both of them are part of Forge America and centralized two uh, missional leader training and church planting networks. And that's kind of the gist of the book is kind of reteaching people how to be neighbors and how to reemphasize hospitality, not just in sort of the hosting parties because they, they they call that sort of friendly hospitality or party hospitality but the kind that actually cares for people that invites people in need into your home that merges lives with your neighbors which especially in suburban america uh is pretty anathema these days so all of that and how that then brings brings the gospel brings the church brings the kingdom into the neighborhood so it's it falls in the category of a lot of a lot of uh, books that we've talked about on this uh, on this podcast, where your neighborhood, your your block is your mission field, and that's the gist of it. But these guys have have been training people in this and have been doing this for a long time. So the book again is Next Door as It Is in Heaven: Living Out God's Kingdom in Your Neighborhood by Lance Ford and Brad Briscoe from Tyndale House Publishers and Nav Press. I believe it's available now, so you guys should go pick that up. I thank you for that, man. Absolutely. It sounds uh, it sounds fabulous. And if Ronnie and if Ronnie stops talking on the podcast, it's because he's on Amazon ordering that book right now. I literally Absolutely. am doing that right now. I'm kind of hoping we get some free copies, but uh, yeah, I, I'm gonna order if I have to. Yeah, yeah, yeah you know that they don't send us a lot of free copies. We don't and, get a lot of free copies on this. I've podcast. noticed that. What's the deal with that? I, you know what I get? I get PDFs of books, which is the oh, worst. That sucks. Like, yeah, PDF, I don't do that. PDFs I don't read. Are not even. Like, what am I gonna do? Print off 320 pages on my. My yeah. HP LaserJet? No thanks. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what PDF stands for. I just don't click on it, open it. I mean, I need something in my hands. You know what I mean? We're vintage on this program. We we need we need the old school. Something bound. I need paper. Paper. Absolutely. Yeah. Paper. I need trees to, you know, basically suffer for my reading habits. Avarice. Your book. There you avarice. go, Rod. There you go getting political again. So I know. Let's Let's use that as the segue because, you know, Big R is nothing if not opinionated and polarizing and, and political on this program. Um, let, let, let's dive right into this thing, boys. So what do we think about this? Uh, is it OK for pastors to be politically vocal on social media even though they're not supposed to be in the pulpit? So so conventional wisdom says don't get political in the pulpit. Don't use the pulpit to – um, influence your your flock one way or the other politically, but it seems like a lot of these dudes are all over social media doing that self same thing. So, uh, what's our take on that? Big R, you're a man of the cloth, resident uh, pastor here on the program. Um, what what do you say about this, dude? I don't know because it's um it's just something that struck me. I was talking to Pipe yesterday, and I was like, what about this? You know, like because you know it's the whole thing where you're not allowed tech, like by law right you're not allowed to be political behind the pulpit because you could lose your uh 
you know, your nonprofit stuff. Well, how does that work? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't even know, you know, but like, I just, I was always like, I, I always, I was always raised to say, to know that like, to understand that pastors weren't allowed to like talk about, you know, who they're voting for and all this. And like at the churches I grew up at, they'd always hand out like these little manuals that told <laughs> you who to vote for, you know, because Dude, the, really, oh yeah, because the pastor wasn't allowed to like, you know, open up his trap about it. Yeah. So really, then like, it's really just a business card with the word Republican on it though. I mean, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, it's literally it all a short it pamphlet. That's you're right. Saying. The si- single word with a period at the end, Republican. Oh, okay. Yeah. Got it. So, I mean, it was like, so there was like that whole thing with it. And then it just dawned on me as I'm like, you know, you know, scrolling down my Twitter feed and seeing like all these dudes riffing incessantly about, you know, uh, about Trumpy and all that stuff. And I just thought, wait a minute. If they're not allowed to do it behind a pulpit, are they allowed to to get online and do it, or, or are the two things just separate? Like, so I guess my question is: is that's my question? I I don't know. What, what, Piper, do you got any insight into that? Well, I mean, I suspect that legally there's a significant difference because one is using an institution, and the other is you know freedom of speech issues. Right. But that's kind of boring. So uh, yeah, I. Let's talk about it from more of like a, a like a personal dude. Who who who's level. getting super political online? Like who who are these guys? Some well, names this, that I would know. This election, well, every every gospel coalition pastor, dude, to, everyone to, yeah. is is making is making political statements. But here's the thing: it's what has drawn them out this election is the fact that our political candidates are uh, one of them overtly supports Planned Parenthood, yeah, and the other one is a racist, misogynist cheat uh, who is just a jerk to everybody. So that – when you're dealing with real profound moral issues, I think it draws it draws even the apolitical pastors out. Like I, I am not a political person. I don't, I don't enjoy politics. When people get all riled up about them, I'm inclined to walk away. But I have a lot of thoughts on this political season because I, it's unfathomable to me that either of these idiots would be president. <laughs> and so exactly. and I think that's kind of what's drawn them out this time. Now it was different when it was, you know, I don't even remember who ran against Obama either time. I think one of them was uh they were that unremarkable. <laughs> yeah, I mean one of them was McCain and then I don't remember who the other one was. It was like Walter Mondale. <laughs> yeah, just uh Bob Bob Smith. Yeah. Um it was Mitt Romney. There you oh, go. there you <laughs> go. That's right. See, unremarkable. Um but uh although Romney would probably run away with this election cuz he has a head on his shoulders unlike the other two. Um right. but when those guys like, you I think you saw a lot less of it then because there was it was just a much less kind of immoral, amoral, contentious uh thing. But it it is an odd thing to see to see them getting to, to see pastors getting very political. What I've noticed, though, is that they don't – they're not getting political – at least the ones that I follow, getting mm-hmm. political along party lines. They're getting yeah. political about the issues. absurdity yeah. of the candidates on issues. Yeah. I see. Yeah. OK. Now, Pipe, do you, do you think part of that is because and, – and Big R, you can chime in on this too. Uh, sort of along the lines of these, these guys like – reading the naval biographies, et cetera. Do, <laughs> don't you think they all kind of fancy themselves like leaders of men, you know, and, and they think, well, if, that, if the whole pastoring thing hadn't worked out, I, I might've gone into politics. I had a, I had a convo at one point, this was years ago with a, a, a now very prominent GCO type pastor. And, uh, and, and he told me very candidly, like, like, yeah, I, I wanted to be president or I, I could have seen myself going into like high level politics if I hadn't like become a pastor. So I think that, 
whatever it is in the in the personality you know profile uh, that, that makes you want to do one thing, maybe it makes you want to do the other thing. Well, I think that's true, and then I also think that, like you said, reading all of the, the the war biographies and whatever, you see a lot of like sort of pining away for the leaders of yesteryear, kind Absolute, of thing. Absolutely, yeah, idealizing and, the leaders of of your. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I'm I'm sure that some of those leaders of yesteryear were were better, but you know what? I would be a better president than either of these idiots who are running right now. So it, that's not saying a lot. It, but there is sort of a sense of there is a bit of a sense of sort of like. I don't know. It, it, drawing on those things, I mean, like, oh, if what you know, Winston Churchill is rolling over in his grave, kind of thing, mm-hmm. and and it just, I don't know that. I I don't know what to make of that, but I do think there is sort of a a, a pseudo political expert or pseudo historical ex expert sort of uh, bent to the whole thing. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I think – well, first off, man, I, I think number one, it's really cool that we've said the word yesteryear twice and <laughs> your so far on the program. I like that, man. That's old school. That's good it's radio. vintage. It's good vintage radio is what good it is. vintage, vintage radio. Absolutely. But I think the other thing too, man, is that it's like – what I like to see is it's really interesting. Like Pipe, you've noticed this, man, because we probably follow a lot of the same guys. It's really cool to see the fire from all like the younger TGC guys as opposed to some of the older guys that are a little more like Ted's talking about who are like in their 50s or 60s or 70s. And they have they, they have like a, a similar but but different kind of a, um, like a, a different kind of a take on it. You know what I mean? They, there's not there's not quite as much of the fire that you see from like I know he's not a pastor anymore, but like from an at Jared Wilson, you know what I yeah. mean? Who's just going on and on. Like just whoa, 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 baby, just, wait, hang on a minute. A, a, Jay Will's not a pastor anymore? No, he's uh, he's at Midwestern. It's Midwestern Seminary now, right? Isn't it? Yes. Yeah, so yeah. He's he's at uh, he's he heads up there for the church kind of conference and movement and then I think he's he's just over a lot of their communication stuff at Midwestern. No, oh, no kidding. Wow, man. Yeah. So I mean, he's still. I think he still probably sees himself in a you know he in a church leadership Pastoral. role, and he yeah. you know yeah. he he pastored for a long time, and I wouldn't be surprised if he went back to it. But yeah, I mean, he's guys like him, and guy, there's there's a guy named Dean and Sarah, and a lot of the guys from the ERLC, and like sort of these younger. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the ERLC makes sense because they're actually in policy conversations, but I mean, they're just lighting Trump and Hillary up. I mean, it's like yeah, it, it it's like a full on battle scene just blazing away nonstop and it's and it's not like a th- and by this, that we mean a bunch of guys on twitter right exactly i mean really yeah. hurting trump's feelings um yeah, oh right. wait he doesn't have feelings um but uh it what's what's interesting is that there it's a no holds barred kind of thing i mean it's not they're not profane about it but yeah. they're they're not couching their statements and saying i would strongly caution you not to vote for her. you know they're like He's an evil, awful, terrible person who has no business leading <laughs> anyone, let alone a country. And just – I mean they're just laying it out there. The sad thing is that everybody who follows them agrees with them and uh, everybody who supports Trump is not on Twitter and doesn't give a rat's behind what anybody on Twitter says or what any journalist says. There is not a single revelation that a journalist could make about Donald Trump that would change somebody's mind. He's going to get the votes he's going to get because America is full of un, you know. Crazy people, basically. There it is, folks. Full of hope. And, uh, and <laughs> I didn't say he was going to win. I said he's going to get the votes he's going to get. I don't know who's going to win, <laughs> but either way, it's going to be a bummer. Big R, what do you what do you think about calling uh, Pipe our official like political analyst oh, on the show? I think we need Dude, titles, I, and yeah. I think that needs to be his. 
I think it does because I mean, you know, un, you know, so I'm like Pipe in the sense that I don't care about politics, but my not caring about it keeps me uninformed about it. Whereas yeah. I feel like Piper's uh, Piper's like lack of care somehow turns him to being far more informed about it than me and you, right? When yeah, I, and I think- well, here, let me let me let me couch my previous statement. I care about political issues. I care nothing about political loyalty or parties. Mm. So I, I I care about abortion. I care about you know, yeah, the, you know s- some <clears throat> aspects of economics, uh, those those kinds of things, you know. But I am not. I do not tie those to a party. So I I am completely baffled by people who are blindly loyal to a political party. That makes zero sense to me. And I think that's what. And I think that's what this is coming down to, isn't it? I mean, that's really what you're. That's really what you're looking at when you see people that are that are that are trumping it right now. Well, if you, know if you I mean? can call Donald Trump the moral choice, as uh, as one prominent reformed guy did recently, yes, um, then yeah, you're clearly blindly loyal to something because it takes blindness to call him a moral 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 anal anything. Yeah, mm. boys, you know what else is vintage. <laughs> I, I'm I'm ready to be done talking politics. Amen. Let's but why? It's been so it's been so stimulating, and it's so it's it's such an uplifting, happy conversation. It's it such really a great follow-up from our last greatest hits episode. It's just <laughs> been fantastic. Our listeners are like, oh, yeah. what did these guys do? It's like a it's it's like a country band who decides to go do rap or something. Like I know it's it really is, dude. It's like when Carmen did rap in the early '90s. Yeah, oh, wait, no, Carmen never did anything good. Except, no. <laughs> except for the the champion was that the name of it? The one where he's sort of like this weird spoken word drama piece about yeah, Jesus. Yeah. You just you thing. just described every record, but yeah, continue. Oh, okay, but, yeah. but I, I remember it, uh, that one and recall it being spectacular. Yeah, because you, you were four years old. <laughs> exactly. I think. Well, it's probably seven, but yeah. I did a super sad book signing in, in a small town in Ohio one time at a Christian was it Ashland. Bookstore. No, it wasn't Ashland. It was even sadder than Ashland. <laughs> And uh, I'm I'm sitting at this Christian bookstore and like there's the the table full of my books and nobody's coming in, of course. And uh, and I'm looking around and they had a a novelized version of Carmen's The Champion, um, which I, of course, bought uh, (laughs) for ironic reasons. And I think I gave it to to Zach Bartles. But uh, but yes, had a picture of like ironic dollars you've ever spent. (laughs) Best ironic dollars I've ever spent. It had a, a picture of like big, sweaty, shirtless Carmen. You know, <laughs> greasy and and hairy in his boxing gloves because that was part of the theme, and it was just the most like miserable thing. I had to have it, dude. It's we like, are in an embarrassing industry, man. This is oh, just a baby, humiliating, embarrassing, embarrassing industry. industry. Oh, just uh, pride. I, I wish you could, speech. Ronnie. I wish you could tell more stories without offending people from your days in the CCM, you know, touring world because. Oh, I can. And I'm not, I don't, I wouldn't, I'm not afraid about offending anybody. I mean, I was in it. I'm, I have to, I have to sort of make fun of myself in it too. So it's, it's all good. I, you know, I, it, whatever, yeah, whatever you want to know, boys, I'm all, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm all about it. We, we may have to do a dedicated episode to uh, Ronnie's CCM experience because I don't think listeners realize just how absurd the world of Christian music is. Yeah, we need to we need to pull back the veil on that pipe. Definitely. I, have, I have become very good friends with somebody who who is uh, fairly successful in the Southern gospel world, and I don't, I didn't. I mean, this is like this is so Southern gospel is like the Gaithers that yeah, for, yeah, for yeah. listeners. So not yeah. not like not Kirk Franklin. That's that's a different kind of gospel, like the Gaithers in that world. And this guy is exceptionally cool, and you would you would never have placed him in that world. 
but getting to know some of the just the inner workings of all of that it is uh it makes my head spin that is it is a strange and i would say strange and wonderful but it's more like strange and horrific place strange and horrific you know what that will be a treat for our listeners <laughs> um, we should we'll do that we'll do that soon i love it big r are you good with that <clears throat> Yeah, sure. I mean, I can tell you some stories about some guy. You know, here's the thing, right? Redacted, it's like, redacted. It's uh, no, not at all, man. It's uh, it's funny because it's the industry is no different than like the the main the general market. You know, what I mean, it's all, it, yeah. music industry in general is just preposterous. Like the things you have to do, it is all Spinal Tap at the end of the day. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. But um, but here's the thing. It's but but in the Christian industry, it's like Spinal Tap if they were playing at a youth group. You know what I mean? So you just you have to add that component to it. So it just it just heightens the ridiculousness of it a little bit more. But dude, it's all ridiculous. I mean, you you're standing up on a stage singing a, a weird song to kids at the end of the day. It's Baby, how many like, of, what what percentage of your gigs were those youth group gigs? Cuz all all the bands did them. I mean, it, that was kind of standard in the business back then. But like what what percentage of your gigs would you say you're you're rolling into a church you're yeah. playing the multi-purpose room or the gym where the acoustics are terrible. <laughs> or the parking lot if it's like a summer festival. The parking lot. If they, what, what percentage were these youth group gigs? Yeah, so like the first 10 years, it probably was about like 85%. And wow. then the last 10 years, because all that stuff has died. Like, you know, yeah. bands don't play youth groups anymore. No. So then the last 10 years, it really got down to just very like occasionally, you know, and it would mm-hmm. be a – it would be a gig just that, you know, you would do to fill in. And they, you know, sometimes those gigs would actually, you know, pay really well. So you would, you would do those to flesh, the, flesh out other things. But, yeah. But, you know, this, okay, so here's the thing, though. So, like, we, were not, we tried not to be snobby about that, though. You know what I mean? So yeah, there's yeah. just kind of this thing where it's like, oh, if I'm playing to a bunch of kids, that's somehow less legitimate than if I'm playing in some club. It's like, well, no, what's the difference? I mean, it, yeah. like, it's just those kids will just go to the club. It doesn't matter. You Dude, know an audience I mean? is an audience. An audience is an audience. Yeah, absolutely. So that was always where I came. I'm like, I don't really care. We'll play anywhere. Yeah. yeah. So whatever. Baby, that's fascinating. That's a little teaser, folks. There it is. For Happy Rant, the music industry episode, which will be the Joy Electric special, forthcoming. Yeah, tell you about all my time with uh, Kevin Max and the guy from Audio A backstage, hanging out. You know, kicking Maybe the excess, the decadence. I, oh, I the what diet that looked in the fun. diet coke and the carrot cake. Oh, flowing, my goodness. flowing like mud. Oh, baby, <laughs> it's gonna be a. That's an episode you don't want to miss. It's going to be like behind the music. Diet Coke and carrot cake. It sounds like my grandmother's house. You know, we need to put that on the rider for live That's and blue. Grandmother's so. house. I want to live there. <laughs> carrot cake is disgusting, Ronnie. I love it. I love it too, Big Ve- Vegetables and dessert do not go together. Carrot cake Maybe if you is had absolutely a, delicious. False. Maybe if you had double case <laughs> carrot cake. No, but, I, but, I, but if I could have a piece right now, I might get in my car and drive straight to Jackson or wherever. Maybe it's well, that, that's how we can get Ronnie to come down for your class. Just you tell like, double we will, K. We will pay you in carrot cake. You know what? I think as my running mate, I think Double K should actually uh, – you know, she should be good for a carrot cake or two during the she campaign. You can do all the craft service for the two of them. <laughs> Absolutely. Dude, I would love, you know what? And I'm just going to throw it out there as as sort of a hint, hint. I mean, I would love it. I would love for Double K to bake a carrot cake, cut a nice piece and ship it to, uh, you know, to Ashland, Ohio. I, I'd not be opposed that, to that, man. I'm sure it would hold up well on the shipping. <laughs> It'd make that happen. Carrot cake usually holds up like super well. 
No, you could. It's like your hair. You could hit it with a Louisville Slugger. It's not going anywhere. In my experience, it's it's the most well hold upable of all cakes. It really is the most resilient of all cakes, isn't it? It's Absolutely, a, it's it is the most cake. resilient. Right, baby. Me and Dub are like um, free basing Stranger Things right now. Man. Are, are, are you and really? uh, are you and Double M? Like, are you guys done with that? Oh, like, dude, yeah, we finished up like on Sunday. We, we yeah, wrapped. yeah, we. Wrapped. Who's your favorite character? Dude, you know what, man? I really like, uh, you know, I like the sheriff. I like Hopper. Love the sheriff, man. Hopper for president, and I love, um, dude. I love, uh, I love the main. I love the main kid. I think. I think yeah. he's cool. You know, I like him, and I like the girl a lot. So yeah, 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 me too, man. I like the weird kid that takes the pictures too. Dude, it's a strong cast. There's it no really doubt. Is. Yeah. Dude, even Piper- what about what about Winona? Like the big comeback. Dude, it's funny about Winona and KK and I have talked about this at, ad nauseum, man. But she. I, she's doing a really good job. I, I like I like her, but I think in, at some level her character is the least developed. Like you always – the Agreed. only thing you ever see her doing is like screaming and being she's crazy. She's just screaming and crying and being crazy. That's all yeah, she Yeah, so she's the least yeah. nuanced of all the characters, which is I totally shame. agree. Yeah, I yeah. totally agree. But uh, Yeah, me too. Yeah, I, totally. I miss her. I miss her. I, I really appreciated her run in A Little Women 20 years ago. That was my favorite. Dude, thing, she but. was great in the 90s, man. All kidding aside, Winona was a – she was a staple of, of 90s. If she just could have not like gone on that like reign of stealing terror in like department stores, we'd still have her. She'd still be an A-lister. Dude, in know? a weird way, that almost just made her more interesting. You know what I mean? Because it was, it was, it's so weird, but it's not – on the scale of weird like bad things, it's it's – not that shocking, you know. What yeah, I mean? it made it, right. It made her interesting, but like nobody will give her a job until Stranger Things. <laughs> that's true, man. That's maybe true. that's the Stranger Thing. The Stranger that Thing is, is that Winona is working in Hollywood again. Absolutely, man. And another strange thing, boys, is that uh, is that Drisky is working in ministry again. If I could, <laughs> if he's, I could draw he's that, he's the Winona of the pastorate. He's the oh, Winona writer of the pulpit. He worked in so well ways. in the early 2000s. Big T, that will go down as the greatest transition in. Pop- podcasting history that you just made i'm just strong. i'm claiming it man i'm claiming that one baby that this, is, this is why i love radio and it's <laughs> why i love the program because you you think you're exhausted from doing a great show two days ago and then having to turn around and do it again but but you all you always find it you find the other gear you know what i mean absolutely uh, so this is a segment boys that we like to call drisky business um it tracks the career of one uh mark driscoll who like winona Ryder, was big in the 90s <laughs> um, and disappeared for a little while for uh, various reasons. Um, his and his now, were a little bit more uh, explainable, however. It's a little bit easier to say why he disappeared as opposed to Winona. Yeah. That's true. Pipe, uh, for, the, for the audience, if people aren't familiar, can, can you just nutshell for us why he disappeared? Uh, because he... Hold on a second. I, I I pulled up his website and it started yeah. playing a video automatically. Does, does it lay it out? Does it say why he disappeared on the <laughs> yeah, website? It actually bullet, bullet goes there. There's a, there's a tab called why I disappeared. The short version is that uh, he made a number of poor leadership choices at his church. None of them, none of them, the sort of immoral choices that will uh, that that people generally associate, like having an affair and things like that, that people yeah. generally associate with a pastor's fall. But like. Some some bordering on dishonest, some very heavy-handed, some I mean accusations of uh, abuse, and then some 
like verbal abuse. And then some uh, some things came out that early on in his pastorate, he, under an, an assumed name, said some really awful things to and about people in the church in, in online forums. Why mm-hmm. pastors in an online forum? I don't know. Uh, there was some questions about using church resources to promote his books, which, again, were part of the ministry, so it wasn't an illegal thing, but more like a question of, of integrity. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> And so all of that sort of just ended up piling up brick by brick until the whole thing sort of crumbled. And so his very large church in Seattle, Mars Hill, uh, is now gone completely. Um, and it's it's been folded. What was left of it has been folded into another church uh, pastored by a guy named Jeff Vanderstelt, who's doing a really, really good job um, sort of caring for those people and, and helping them. But Driscoll just disappeared for a couple of years and uh, – and is now planting a church that will be opening uh, the day before this podcast releases, actually, uh, wow. in Scottsdale, Arizona. Interesting timing, you guys. I mean, vis-a-vis our podcast. I wonder if he planned it that way. Oh, I you think know. there's no question about that. There's no Two question. media giants, us yeah. and Frisky. You know. Do you think we're getting played? Do you think he knew this and just pulled mm. the levers? Like, we are we are the puppets on the string here? Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. I mean, I'm, I'm okay. Why else that, would but. you launch a church on the Sunday before we drop our our new episode? Yeah, I I couldn't tell you. It's uh, it seems it seems suspicious. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, absolutely. Boys, what do you make of this, man? Drisky, uh, Drisky launching the new church. Uh, Big R, you saw the the building itself and and had some comments off the air about the aesthetics. So, uh, Big R, uh, again, you and Drisk are are like colleagues, uh, both being men of the cloth. <laughs> Um, what do you make of this? I don't know. You know, he, uh, yeah, I caught some videos that he did and he's been like posting these videos on sort of the, uh, the buildup to the yeah. launch. And so they bought this really old school, like round mid-century modern, super like Logan's run futuristic looking like church building. It looks like it built back in the sixties or seventies or something. And they just completely went inside. They bought it. They gutted it. I think it was his wife, his wife's grace's, uh, dad's old church. That's the whole deal with it. So they're able to like, they're able to acquire the building, gut it, get it all ready. And he's just been sort of doing sort of this video, you know, kind of timeline thing where he's been, you know, kind of, kind of building up and promoing everything they got going until they launched this, this Sunday. So I, I mean, I, I don't know, I don't know what to think. You know, I, I mean, I got people that live in the area next to him and, and they're saying, you know, there's, there's not a lot of talk about it. It's, it's not like it's the biggest thing in the neighborhood. It's not, like, it's not like something where like every time you walk into some coffee shop, that's all anybody's riffing about. It's like yeah. it's, it's not like that. He said it's just, you know, he, he doesn't really know what to make of it. And mm-hmm. that it's definitely, it's, it's definitely not something that's like capturing the neighborhood or the city, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what to think about it. Pipe, what's your take on this? Well, I think the, it, it makes total sense because uh, everybody retires to Scottsdale. So, <laughs> you know, you get to a certain point in life and ministry and uh, you move south to the warm weather, the warm, dry air, because apparently 400-degree temperatures don't bother people who are elderly. Um, Maybe it's either the villages or Scottsdale. You know, you go right or you go left. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it, is a, it is a really interesting shift because you think Scottsdale, you don't think uh, anything akin to Seattle. I mean, he, he was sort of the Seattle ethos through and through and sort of prided yeah. himself. And I mean, he grew up in the area, you know, totally. tough son of a guy who hung drywall and th- those kinds of things. And uh, 
and so the whole like the the screaming pastor ethos was was there because that was the only way to get through to the sort of disaffected grungy hipster crowd and you know mm-hmm. the man boys and all that and now he's going to a community of like families and retirees Mm. And, and and but his even if you just look at the website, you're like, well, that looks like a church for families and retirees. Like everything looks sort of clean cut, and and it's. I'm really interested to see if he uh, if he changes his tone and style, or you know, like is is he still going to be the screaming angry guy? Is he going to? Will that work there? Or is is has he has he changed? Is he putting on an act? Like what's different and why? Those are the well, – I'm really interested to see how this all Yeah, well, Pipe, here's the thing, man. I mean he's not been really the screaming angry guy in a long time. I mean even like his last even – even his last couple of years up in Seattle, I mean he had mellowed out a lot. Like when you hear him talking now, I mean he is just so mellow. It's all about family. All He just talks about his wife and his kids and how the church is a family. And he's like a, a spiritual father now. That's how he views himself. So there's there's none of this like – there's none of this like teenage twenties like angst about Driscoll. I mean, and, you know, truly he's in his mid forties now, so why would there be? But like he's he's really just like mellowed out his persona a lot. You and, know? and you know, and and people grow and change, and I get that. That's uh, I I'm not skeptical of that as a as a reality. I am. It is disorienting, however. I mean, it's it it to use an analogy. It's like watching Michael Jordan in the early nineties. And then taking a break and watching Michael Jordan for the Washington Wizards. Like, those are not the same basketball player, even though it's the same person. And that's, I kind of wonder if that's what's going to happen with Driscoll here. It's just like age and experience has taught him how to do things differently. I mean, I, I hope it works. I, yeah. I am concerned about the fact, and, and I say concerned not in a judgmental way, more like in an ignorant way, concerned because I don't know. The thing that I have not seen from him is public acknowledgement of the damage that was caused and how that has been cleaned up. Now, I don't know what's happened behind the scenes, and that may have been handled well there. But when a public minister has a public fall, I feel like there should probably be a public addressing of that. But I don't, you know, I don't have any right to tell him what to do. Yeah. Yeah, what uh, what what do you now 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 that you brought Michael Jordan into a big T, what what do you have to say about all this, man? Dude, I will say vis-a-vis Jordan, you know the the Wizards era Jordan was great. He was <laughs> he was still great, but he was great in a completely different way, and I think that's what uh, you know that's what Pipe is hinting at. You know, if if there if there is any greatness left to be had in Driscoll, it will be it will be a different kind of greatness, and it, and it won't look like it did um, in the in the Seattle era. And uh, those of us who were Jordan fans, I think we appreciated the the nuance that he brought to the game uh, in his later years. But uh, but yeah, you always you always miss the explosiveness of uh, of the early years. And I think you know to that point, um, there was an el- there was always I think in in the blogosphere and in just you know the kind of circles that would follow pastors and podcasts, there was always an element of like entertainment in Drisky, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, we always used to say that, you know, the, the blogosphere back in that era was like reality TV for Christians. You know, it was the kind of thing you could like you could dive whole hog into yeah. it and be entertained by all the controversy, but not feel like, you know, a slime ball for for doing it. Um, so, yeah, you wonder about the impact of a newer, gentler Drisky minus all the like entertainment stuff that made him sort of the train wreck that everybody wanted to look at. 
Yeah. yeah, I mean, that, and that's the question: is it is it just going to be like a modest sort of like residential kind of church, like any other church you probably find in the area, or is Dude, it just going to be explosive? You know, like you know? yeah, maybe every church should be a modest sort of residential church. Like we say that like it's a bad thing, but it's actually no, not like at probably all. Not the at best all. thing. Yeah. You know, um, that that would that would be best case scenario, maybe. Yeah, and, well, and, and that's the thing is like I it's it would be hard for me to be disappointed in anything that goes on in that church unless he crashes and burns again. That would be disappointing. But even then, like I don't have high expectations, and so but it would be int- I, if he becomes sort of like like the Bill Hybels Willow Creek type of church or the you know like you said the Andy Stanley type the you know these these comfortable run of the mill and maybe maybe he'll preach a little bit more pointedly than those guys do or whatever but uh that's really disorienting cuz yeah. he was the guy who was like he was, he was the punk rock guy. He was yeah, I mean, he was, he was the guy who's like, he, he was tough guy Jesus. Like, I don't want some some sissy metrosexual Jesus with long blonde hair and whatever. I mean, he like yeah. he was aggressive, and yeah. if he goes that route, it it will completely spin my head around. I won't be disappointed. I'll just be lost. But I think, but Piper, he already has gone that route. That's kind of what's because really, yeah. The but people if you that go he, that route and nobody's paying attention, does it really matter? Well, no, but I mean the people he surrounded himself with like post, you know, stuff and scandal. I mean, are all those kinds of people. I mean, like he's lit- and here's the other thing that he's doing. He's hosting he's hosting a leadership conference at the Trinity Church. The, so that's something they have coming up. There's some ironic. Dude, I, don't iron irony. I almost said ironicalness, which You can is call me irony. Some <laughs> irony, Marcus. Some shy in that. Yeah. Ironicalness. Yes. No, well, I, these guys I'm wondering host a how, leadership conference, though. I mean, I feel like that's just kind of a standard thing to do if you've got a gigantic platform. Yeah, which is funny because most of them have very little helpful stuff to say about leadership. Um, For sure. Because the nuts and bolts of leadership are not usually involved in a platform in any way, shape, or form. But uh, <laughs> I, I was waiting. I was going to say before he brought up a leadership conference, what is the over-under on months until the announcement comes out that he is writing a leadership lessons learned book? Oh, oh absolutely. dude, yeah, absolutely. That, I mean, that, will, that we, will we see it before the end of 2016? Will it, will it will it be 2017, or will he be will he be patient enough to announce it 2017 and maybe release 2018? Yeah, dude, I, I think, think he's he, gonna wait. I think he's gonna wait. See, I disagree, Big R. I think he announces almost immediately, and mm-hmm. then and then releases in 2017. That you know that thing's in the works, man. Yeah, it's probably dude, already written by a research assistant. Dude, yeah, somebody like Drisky with that kind of platform, that's chum in the water for our industry, man. I mean, there's there's people flocking to that. And, so. and yeah, I mean, they, pe- people eat it up either because they want to learn from him or because they want to rake him over the coals. And either absolutely. way, it's going to sell. Absolutely. Yeah. The I, guy wish knows I, could accident- I wish I could accidentally sell books. Dude, I know, right? Wouldn't that be amazing? Big T, have you, already ghost- have you already ghost wrote that thing for Driscoll or where are you at with that? Dude, you know process? what? All kidding aside, man, we're, we're all – the three of us are all authors, man. Let's let's say this and let's end on this topically. Um, if the phone rang tomorrow and it was Drisky's agent saying, I need I need one of us, you know, I need you guys to write to ghostwrite Drisky's book. <laughs> the advance is gonna be huge. He might be a douche. Um, would you do it? Yes or no? Do you do I, the gig? Uh I'm anti ghostwriting in general. But uh okay. I mean I'm not anti I'm not anti doing the writing on behalf of somebody else. I'm anti like true ghost writing where the writer gets no. Well, what if it's a with, what if it's a with book? I would have a conversation about it. All right. Like, like kind of like a Chandler to Wilson kind of a scenario. Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I would definitely have a conversation about it because because I had a lot of respect for Driscoll once upon a time, and yeah. I was really sad to see what happened to him. I mean, not sad, like it didn't ruin my life or anything, but just from a yeah. distance, disappointed that a man I respected, learned a lot from, had sure. went through all that, put that upon himself, I should say, went through it, makes him sound like a victim. Um, yeah. So yeah, if he if I got the call, I would say, can I talk to him and find out what's really, you know, what's behind all this? Um, sure, sure. I have a hard time imagining actually doing it, though. Yeah, hmm. man. Interesting. Big R, what's your say? Yeah, man. I, I would just, I would just ask if I could fly out to the Trinity Church and hang out and, and talk about, um, um, uh, just talk. <laughs> just like figure out who he is, where he's at, yeah. all those. Yeah, things. yeah, yeah. Like I would want, I'd want to come out and just go, dude. Can, can we just like. Like, can we honestly just have an honest conversation, man, to where I can ask you questions and find out like what's going on, how you're doing, how all this stuff is on the back end now. And yeah. like, I would just, I would at least want to just say, Hey man, you know, I'd, I'd love to at least kind of get in your, get in your head and your heart a little bit with that stuff. You know, yeah, yeah, is, yeah, it, for real, man, for is it worth the controversy regardless? I don't know. I, well, okay. So if, if we had bigger platforms, I, don't, I just don't know if it would affect us that much to be quite honest. I don't think it would, man. Yeah. Except in your pocketbook, it would be a huge payday. Which, and, and, and as we all know, those are not easy to come by when writing books. They're not, man. They're not. That's why I would, I would definitely take the call. I had a chance a couple of years ago to do, to ghostwrite a book or two with, with a guy who had a, Similar, huge platform, but he was known to be like a complete egomaniac tyrant. And he was sort of kind of in our space theologically, but kind of drifting out of it. And uh, I don't know. Anyway, everybody, everybody in my life who I went to for advice said, like, run the other way, you know, as fast as you can. Don't do it for any amount of money. So I didn't oh, do and it. You did. OK. Wow. Yeah, no, I didn't do it, man. I didn't yeah. do it. But uh, I don't know if if, if Drisky would fall into that category, but uh, but yeah, like you guys, I would I would definitely have the conversation for sure. Yeah. I you know I I would love to see that church thrive, and I would love to see Driscoll never on a conference platform again. Yeah, that'd be good. Man. Like if that'd if he could just be a really good pastor for the people who are at that church, that would be fantastic for everybody involved. Yeah. I think for him to try to regain the platform he had before or to kind of build another one sort of in the more in the leadership space the, you know, the, what whatever space that looks like. Yeah. I, I don't know. I It's hard to see a lot of good coming out of that. Yeah, dude, mm-hmm. it worries me that he's trying to like own that space already. Um, I, I think that's strange. But mm-hmm. uh, interesting, boys. Interesting to uh, to hear your thoughts um, about Drisky and Drisky business. And uh, guys, I got to wrap this thing, man, because I got to get to something else. But um, as always, we have wandered uh, to that code. Is that code for your board? Uh, I'm a little bit bored, but no, this has been fun, <laughs> man. I mean, it's it's been fun, definitely. And, and you know, it's always good to talk with you gentlemen. So. Uh, I can never never be too bored doing this, but uh, I appreciate your uh, your input and your comments uh, as we've wandered to and fro around this thing. And until next time, Rachel the Held Evans. This is Chris Christensen, and back in 2006, I started a simple project, a project to try and introduce more people to the Bible through Bible study called the Bible Study Podcast. It's a simple name and a simple idea. Each week, every week, we study one chapter of the Bible, talk about what it says, and what that might mean for us today. 
To listen now, go to lifeaudio.com or search for The Bible Study Podcast on your favorite podcast app.